Uh, it's 8.02, and uh, we may have a confusion of who's on today, so we're going to do something interesting. And we got uh, Paul Rowland in the studio. Joanna's yet to come in. Hey, Paul. Hey, John. How are you doing? I'm doing all right. I so, think I was just on yesterday. How was it? I thought we did a good show. But, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm not Joanne Hardesty, and I'm not any of the other people who uh, appear semi-regularly in this spot. But I did do my folk music show this morning, and I just finished my playlist. So I'm free to step in the breach. If if anyone out there um, forgot that you're supposed to be in the slot today and would like to come in and do it, or maybe they're coming into the studio. In any case, it's all good. And uh, we have an hour to take your calls and talk about whatever the heck you want to talk about. What do you want to talk about, John? Ah, well, I'd like to talk about a lot of things. Uh, we, we could talk about protests around the world. Uh, I, I haven't done a lot of research on them except to realize, I wonder, some, some say that these protests that are going on around the world are actually uh, uh, somewhat engineered by uh, interests, uh, U.S. interests, in fact, to stir up trouble. So there you go. There's a controversial topic. That is a controversial topic. I'm not sure I would buy into that. I think that... I, I, my feeling about that is that um, if you look at, say, look back to the, um, you know, the, the Sandinista uh, revolution struggle, and then you look at the, the Contras that, fought, you know, fought against, it was a, a reactionary, anti, you know, I would consider anti-revolutionary, but, and, and, the, and the CIA, U.S. and the CIA certainly were there, um, definitely funding the Contras, and encouraging them to beat back the Sandinev revolution. That is, in, in, that is all, uh, undisputable. At the same time, the Sandinistas were messing with those indigenous communities, and there's a lot of grievances against the Sandinistas. So, you know, what came first? Was it the grievances and the, um, you know, pushing back against some of the uh, moves against their autonomy by the indigenous people? Or was it started by the U.S.? I think that's a difficult thing to say. I think this is probably something similar if indeed it can be proved that the U.S. is, you know, favoring some sides, whether it's in Iran or Hong Kong or whatever. Um, it, to, to say that it's just the U.S. instigating them, I think, disrespects the legitimate grievances of the people against their uh, supposedly duly constituted authorities. I just uh, got a Facebook post here from Ayatollah Khomeini, uh, he, and he just, uh, just in fact, I just posted it on my Facebook page. Uh, this is his opinion. He says uh, he wrote this uh, November 15th, 2015, Imam Sayed Ali Khamenei. Uh, the U.S. presence has brought about nothing but malevolence and corruption. Uh, he's talking about U.S. presence in the Middle East. As soon as they set foot in this region... They brought malice and corruption with them. In whichever area they set foot, they bring about insecurity, they wage domestic wars, or they do things like creating Daesh. We want the true face of the U.S. to be seen. We want Muslim nations to know what the true colors of the United States are and what stands behind their support for democracy, human rights, and other such false and hypocritical statements that people should understand this. That's a pretty strong statement right there. Again, though, I would say, so, so are you, in saying that, are you saying that the, you support the government of Iran and everything that they do? I'm just quoting what the Ayatollah said. 
um, and, and I think that's up for discussion. I think that's an important up, uh, item for right. discussion that's why he's as we think it. about protests around uh, not only in Iran, also in Iraq, uh, the, the uh, questions that are going on in Syria. Uh, a lot of these things. How uh, about some, Chile? How about yeah, Chile? Ch- Chile. Yeah, I don't know too much about Chile. Tell well, me about that one. Well, you know, it seems like it's a. It started, ostensibly, from what you hear, as a as a revolt against a raising of the uh, the mass transit fares. You know, but of course, you know that's probably the the straw that broke the camel's back. It's it's being framed by people that I respect as a revolt against neoliberal economics and the. You know, basically the austerity and a lot of the revolts around the world, I think, could be framed in that way. Yeah. Yeah. And then, of course, the coup uh, in, in Bolivia um, is, is is also uh, up for suspicion as well. Um, in, in well, the you know, the, again, there it, it's it's certainly, you know, uh, what Evo Morales did compared to what was the the general uh, run of the mill uh, repressive administrations, uh, neo-colonial in Bolivia and many other countries in Latin America was certainly to be applauded. He certainly, you know, uh, changed the the distribution of wealth. He uh, uh, gave indigenous, you know, uh, helped indigenous people get their, some of their pride back, some of their uh, sense of agency. And uh, again, I, I haven't studied all these things. I'm sort of, you know, talking off, off, you know my my instincts and the the little that I've read. On the other hand, if you know I've heard on Democracy Now and on KBU on uh, Old Mole on Monday, some legitimate critiques of sort of the the the, the male strong male leader um, uh, model of of governance and you know Evo Morales's mistakes that he made and and not not say uh, opening up uh, not sharing power. Not cultivating new leadership, sort of the sort of taking too much, sort of the founder syndrome that seems to be really prevalent in in many institutions. So yeah, it's a, these are complex things. I, I just I guess I just rebel against reducing them to one dimension. But anyway, you, you, we're interested in what you have to say about this or other subjects that you want to talk about. Five zero three two three one eight one eight seven is the number to call. Yes, five three one five zero three two three one eight one eight seven, and uh, I'll 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 deal with the engineering, get the phone calls here, and and, and Paul can you can talk to them, and we'll see. unless uh, we got the the real host of the show is going to come in, but if not, it's you and me. Um, but one of the things that I get suspicious about Paul is whenever the United States has a role in international affairs, I I, I, I distrust. Um, the idea that it's humanitarian, and I often I find myself more and more distrusting the narrative that they're actually helping and fixing. As more or less, actually, on the other hand, I I, I get suspicious. That that's that's really all I want to say. Well, I totally, um, but I absolutely agree with that. I I I am suspicious of just about any. I think I think any any supposed effort to to help globally by the United States, all almost without exception, has strings attached to it and has a, a either overt or covert hidden agenda. I, I think that goes without saying. But I also say that you can't, you know, look at, look at say, Russia. I mean, how can one support Putin? How can one support this, this patriarchal, masculinist, uh, aggressive um, regime that, that, you know, doesn't respect women, 
doesn't respect uh, uh, doesn't respect people with other sexual sexual orientations. There's there's just some basic repressive aspects to it that just because they're sort of the enemy of of your enemy doesn't make them necessarily your friend. Oh, I guess he's John's on the phone. I was uh, I was waiting for him to uh, to respond back, but uh, maybe he'll have heard out of one of his ears what I what I said. But hopefully, we're going to have some calls coming in. And this is a, a, a spontaneous. This is a community radio at its uh, I don't know at its most spontaneous. Let us put it that way. But uh, it's it's, a, it's an open hour. It's an open hour. So that's a. Uh, Usually, you know, we us talk show hosts have have uh, our our guests lined up, our themes lined up, and we tend to you know take the conversation in the direction that we've already sort of thought out, which is good. But it's also good to occasionally leave open time for people like you, or you, or you, to call up at five zero three two three one eight one eight seven. Looks like we might have a caller. Yes, we do. We've got Harry. Harry, are you there? All right, yes, Harry. I am. Greetings, everyone. Thank you for taking my call. I think one of the reasons for some of these uh, protests and things that are, and problems that are going around the world is the removal of term limits. Uh, in Bolivia, that's what the Morales did. He was supposed to have only one five-year term, I think it was, and he changed the Constitution, so no term limits. Uh, China did the same thing. Um, they used to have a five or six year term, and the new president right now, he changed it and got rid of term limits. So it's, it's causing some issues with you know authoritarians or um, movement is is taking over these governments, and one way they do it is getting rid of term limits. No, I, and your thoughts on that? I I certainly I certainly think that that factors into it. The, the the, the complications it gets and, and why I certainly feel um, not up to, fully up to the task that I've, I've, <laughs> I've set myself for stepping in uh, to the, uh, the talk show host on Thursday, usually filled by other people very knowledgeable about things, um, uh, is, okay, so yeah, that's true. Uh, on the one hand, I mean, it'd be interesting to hear from within what Evo Morales is how he would defend it because once there's a really great letter which I I had uh, copied off yesterday unfortunately I don't have it with me um, written by Roxanne Dunbar Ortiz and uh, uh, three other people it's a letter to intellectuals maybe you could pull that up John uh, if you have some time a letter to intellectuals uh, regarding the something about revolution. Anyway, the the thrust of the letter is basically that revolutions are a, a a difficult and painful process, and you can't expect them to win in a short period of time. So, when you embark on something, you know, when you try to embark on a revolutionary process through the electoral process, it is it is difficult because yes, you're you might be voted out. And then someone might be voted in who completely reverses that. So there is a tendency, whether it's good, bad, or whatever, I don't know. But there there is an understandable tendency by someone like Morales, who's embarked on a a, a really attempt to profoundly change the society. And, yeah, not wanting to to just let all the gains that are, are, you know, 
I'm, I'm sort of defending him here. So yeah, I think it's a difficult thing. And, and, uh, so, so I, I see two sides of at least the Morales question. Now, you know, China, what a, what a morass this is. I could never defend the, the Chinese government there. That, that society is so thoroughly controlled and unfortunately is so thoroughly bought in to, you know, the, if not the, the capitalist, you know, generally governance style, certainly the capitalist uh, massive production orientation, which is just contributing to the, the devastation of our climate and, and world ecosystem. So I, I'll never defend um, China. I think they, they went way wrong. Uh, you know, I think even Mao himself went, went wrong, you know, you know, by the 1960s for sure. But you know, these are extremely complicated discussions. John, what do you have to say about it? Hello, Harry. How are you? Yeah, I'm here. Oh, sorry. Yes. Uh, you know, I never. You mentioned when I never defend China. I, I guess I would just, I, or or Russia or whatever. D- would you say the same about the United States? I, no, I'd never defend the United States. Oh no, oh, there oh, we go. No, definitely not. We we uh, the issues that we did. You were talking about the Sandinistas and things that happened. You know, during uh, in Nicaragua. I mean, the CIA had made out a pamphlet for these rebels and it told them the first people you go after. You go after teachers, and you go to go after healthcare workers. What hmm. you know? This is our CIA saying that you know, telling who to kill. I mean, this is you know, killing these people. You know, and wow, uh, what, what our government has done is something else. But the ne- next uh, topic I like to bring up is a uh, news blackout. There are two uh, two uh, civil wars that are going on that is hardly ever reported, or re- or reported as a civil war. The one that's in Libya right now, uh-huh. and that we caused, you know, right. uh, Obama uh, actually Obama overthrew Gaddafi, and it's something in history we have to come to grips with. No one wants to talk about it. He overthrew Gaddafi, and Hillary Clinton laughed about it, cackled about it, saying, uh, "We he can't, we came, we saw, he died." Yeah, he, and uh, uh, and we we thought uh, we thought uh, Gaddafi was in one place, and we we fired a missile from one of our ships. And Gaddafi wasn't there, but his son and his grandson was, and they were killed. Isn't that murder? You know, no. and no war was de- uh, declared or anything else like that. So uh, that, that's going on there. The next one, people don't realize that's a that's a uh, a rebellion and or uh, a civil war was going on in Ukraine. Now uh, people have to remember that uh, the Russians have uh, Ukraine has never been a country ever until recently until they break up with the Soviet Union. And there was always Russians for over two, 300 years. There was always ethnic Russians who lived in Ukraine. And uh, the, the Russians usually lived in the cities, and the Ukrainians lived in the, uh, in the, uh, the Ukrainians and Jews lived in the uh, rural areas. And, uh, and so when it broke up, uh, well, uh, in 2014, when they uh, overthrew the president and he had to run for his life, was because there was a program going on on ethnic Russians. They removed him from the military. They removed him from government. And so the, when they say, oh, the Russians are fighting the Ukrainians, no, they're not. They're, they're rebel Ukrainian Russians that are doing this. And uh, because if Russia wanted to march into Ukraine, it would be over in just a second, you know. Yeah. So, um, and another one who got rid of term limits was Putin. 
Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Right. Yeah. Harry, Harry thank you so much. Did you watch the de- debates? Do you follow the Democratic debates? Oh, yeah. Uh, the, the, yes, I watched a part of them. And what, what came up uh, about three years ago, I mean, three months, three weeks ago, was uh, something that might really hurt Biden was three, year, uh, three weeks ago he was campaigning in South Carolina. So he goes to a church, he's a Catholic, and they refuse him communion because of his stance on abortion. Huh. Yeah, and Como, they, they told Como the same way. If you go to communion, we, we're going to refuse you. So when Como goes to church, um, he, he doesn't go to to communion, because according to the Catholic uh, doctrine, you're supposed to take communion at least once a year. So uh, Como was smart on that. Biden wasn't. So uh, we thought that would hurt his his chances. And then because uh, Bloomberg smelt blood, so he decided, oh, I'm going to start, I'm going to run for a Democratic president. Uh, Harry, it's been fun. Uh, thanks for calling up. We got an, sure. I got another call here. We got Norm on the line. Uh, Norm, are you there? Whoop. There's Norm. Are you there, Norm? Oh, he's not there. Uh, I guess I lost Norm. Let me try this one. All Hello? right. Hello. Are you there, Norm? I am here. All right. You're on. Yeah, this is a, a wild show. We got Paul, uh, Roland, and myself. Uh, checking it out here because uh, our host didn't quite make it yet this morning so uh what's up uh you know i'd like to make a call out to the female listeners i want to hear more women call i i i i i don't mind guys calling up but i'd like to hear more women well thank you much bye-bye okay there you go we'll do that all right paul roland uh it is uh 820. The phone number is 503-231-8187. If you'd like to call and talk about uh, anything uh, you'd like to talk about here on uh, KBOO. Indeed. Let's uh, let's get people who've never called in before. This is your chance. We're just going to just going to take a breath, you know, and uh, take a let's let's uh, take have our regular callers take a, a back seat here. And certainly we're open to uh, women to call for sure because you know men often tend to be the more aggressive i think still at this uh this stage in our society we haven't uh developed as much as we'd like and uh we like to for people who regularly call with people you know tend to maybe have more more privilege or more voice in the society to step back but we're definitely not wanting to discourage anybody because we've got 40 minutes to fill and uh we are Stepping in to a, a spot um, who we're not sure who is supposed to be here, but uh, we're glad to do it. Me and uh, my Paul Rulin and John Shook is the, the board op. Uh, been doing this for many years, John, and now he's stepping front and center on talk radio. And uh, looks like we have a caller. Yeah, let's see if we can get Ed on here, if I got the buttons right. Ed, are you there? Yes, I am. All right. Hey, welcome. Uh, thank you. Thank you for uh, this fo- format that you guys so graciously uh, continue from year to year to have. Uh, just, I-, I was just listening uh, on the radio as I'm heading to work. Uh, I was, uh, you know, you're talking about Iran, you know, uh, a little history of uh, the covert operations from the U.S., and that's why I don't trust the U.S., is that that was uh, 1953, uh, Iran had elected their first democracy. Uh, with good elections, and uh, 
the U.S. and Britain didn't like that because uh, it would jeopardize the oil trade. And they did the U.S. one of the first court operations they had to overthrow a government uh, was in Iran. Yep. And uh, they uh, uh, and it was headed up by the CIA, which was headed up by a Roosevelt, uh, Teddy Roosevelt's grandson. And uh, it was so successful, you know, uh, you know, in cost that, uh, you know, they decided to implement it around the world. So that was uh, uh, our relationship with Iran was uh, the first uh, case where they actually overthrew a democracy. You know, one of and, a, great, a great book about that is Dan Kovalik. Uh, he's written yes, a number of books, yes. uh, The Plot to Overthrow. You, yeah. You've heard of his book, yeah. Yes, I have. And uh, so, uh, uh, yeah, so uh, I, don't, I don't really trust uh, U.S. policy on, on anything that they do unless they want to rake the country of their natural resources and leave nothing for uh, the, the people that live there. Yeah. So, uh, you know, until we clean up our own act, you know, uh, um, we're, we're not going to get very far, and it looks like uh, we're, we're uh, you know, our own citizens, uh, citizens are suffering from uh, from this, uh, you know, this, this massive uh, distribution of wealth and whatnot. And, yeah, and, and, and uh, practicing this propaganda to our own citizens, you know, to where it used to be kind of, you know, after World War II, it was kind of hands off, you know. Uh, well, you know, everything's going all right, but but no, they, they decided that uh, uh, U.S. citizens uh, shouldn't have that uh, right either. So uh, here here we are today. So yeah. Uh, anyway, thank you very much for uh, a great show, and uh, thanks for letting me uh, uh, sound off a little bit. You're great, Ed. Thanks so much. Have a good day. Thank you. Good. All right, we're gonna get um, Jack on. Jack, you there? Yes, I am. All right, great. We got Paul uh, Roland here with us. Uh, this is uh, Voices from the Edge. The substitutes have taken over. All right, how are you doing? Oh, just waking up, but uh, it's uh, it's interesting uh, that you're letting everyone call in and you know say what they have to say. I think that needs to happen, and that's what community radio is all about. So, what do you got to say, Jack? This is your chance. You are well, speaking I'll apologize to the, to the guy. Your guy just before uh, two two calls ago. I'm not a woman, but uh, that's that's okay. I mean. I don't, not taking a space that a woman is trying to get to, so they they can come on anytime they want, I guess. Sure. Um, but anyway, uh, yeah, you're right. Your uh, premise about the U.S. Uh, fomenting uh, revolutions is, uh, I think, uh, something that needs to be talked about. I think we had it stated very, very clearly when. Uh, uh, George Bush uh, declared mission accomplished, and the mission—that's that's the—that's what's not clear. The mission, uh, the mission w- was a, at that point in time, the uh, uh, global war of terror had been fully launched. It was really on a roll, and uh, chaos, uh, destabilization. Failing of uh, nation failing was uh, uh, burgeoning across the Middle East, and that's the mission. Right. The mission is to fail states. The mission is to put societies in turmoil and disarray. And uh, for what cause? For what reason? Um, I think that it's pretty clear that uh, uh, failed state. 
cannot protect its citizenry from the ravages of the IMF, the, the, the World Bank, essentially the global finance oligarchs can uh, just basically have their way with any population, with their resources, with their territory, whatever. And uh, that's, that's the goal, and the mission is chaos. Do you think this uh, global war on terror uh, is, uh, would you say, some have said this is just, it's really a fraud. What, what would you say to that? Well, the terror is real, that's for sure. Uh, but who's committing I, I it, right? The, but 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 I would I would I would drop back to, uh, and a lot of people don't like Webster Griffin Tarpley and his uh, uh, analyses. But uh, he made it pretty clear, I believe, after 9/11. He said, "You got to watch. You see, if you got a big terrorist event, what you got to look for is the people who are supposedly watching the terrorists, because what it turns out is that they're actually handling the terrorists." And if you do enough research on 9/11, you'll find that that's the case with the the so-called 9/11-19 uh, uh, hijackers, the which, aka Patsies, uh, were actually. You can there, there's good research on this actually, uh, where these guys were before the event happened and what they were doing, and uh, how they were being handled. So. Um, and and then if you look and then if you look post 9/11 at uh, all, uh, the, the the terrorist uh, incidents the things that were so supposedly thwarted by the FBI uh, in most cases uh, the FBI was actually uh, running those guys and had set them up they were stings or whatever they were uh, but uh, you know so. I'm glad you brought up 9-11. It's not a topic that people like to bring up very much, but it's an important one. Uh, 9-11 Unmasked, uh, the 9-11 Consensus Panel gets into that and a lot of issues. Have you read that book or heard about the 9-11 Consensus Panel, David Griffin? Uh, yeah, I've been, I, I followed it since, uh, since a few years right, uh, right after it, and uh, uh, what, what I've concluded is that it's, it, it is important. It's the linchpin to the global war of terror, and... Uh, it was what it was what triggered the whole thing, and they could use it any time they wanted. You've got uh, you had Giuliani running around uh, every every other word that came out of his mouth was 9/11, and and he's trying to get uh, run for his run for president. And now we see where Giuliani is. And uh, anyway, uh, yeah, it's it, it's important, and there are. Uh, uh, it, it recently, the most recent development, I don't know if you followed this or not, is that the firefighters, the firefighters are calling adamantly for a, uh, a new transparent uh, investigation. Yes. 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 Mm -hmm. I've heard a new investigation, uh, firefighting in, uh, what was it, in, in New York, in New York State. Uh, That's right. Right. Calling for a new investigation. I've done quite a bit. Uh, Joya is the name of the firefighter, G-O-I-A. I think is his, is his name that started that up. Yeah. Hey, Jack, thank you so much. I uh, appreciate you, you calling. You have a great day. Uh, this Thanks. is KBOO, oh, KBOO. The phone number is 503-231-8187 if you'd like to call and, and join the uh, free-for-all here uh, with Paul Rowland and myself. We have uh, also on the phone Joe, I think, if I got the button right. Are you there, Joe? Yeah, I am. Hey, good to have you here. Yeah, thanks. Uh, good job uh, holding down the contingency situation. I wanted to put a plug 
in the vein of some of topic brought up earlier about the protests, the, really the revolt in Chile and how it's triggered by a youth-led movement resisting, revolting against the fare increases. We see, I think, similar sorts of challenges to fare systems and mass transit systems around the world, around the United States, in New York. Um, and next week, um, there is going to be a youth-led rally uh, at Pioneer Square that's calling for uh, justice in how TriMet enforces its fares, and really um, pushing the question of eliminating fares altogether. Because as some some people may know, but a lot don't, TriMet is mostly funded through taxes already. Fares make up less than 20 percent of the of the actual operating costs, and so finding a way to eliminate those fares, like getting rid of the fare enforcement department that costs millions of dollars would be a way of creating a fareless system. That rally is going to be at Pioneer Square on Friday the 29th from 12 to 3. And it's being uh, put on by a group called the Pacific Northwest Youth Liberation Front. Um, we're going to try and get them on the Old Mole next week to talk a bit more in depth about their organizing around the issue and connecting it to those more global issues, but I wanted to put that on people's radars too. Well, I'm really glad you did, Joe. You know, is is so is this this rally that's coming up the 29th? So this is is this about uh, reducing fares altogether or eliminating the fares? Um, it it seems to be uh, the the intersection of that of eliminating fares um, and calling into question the heavy-handed way that TriMet has used fare evasion to mi over militarize its that's it uh, yeah. fare enforcement department. Great. Yeah, I think the idea of making the fares free is the way to go, isn't it? I'm, I'm with you on that. Well, yeah, everybody's, right. everybody's all concerned about, uh, you know, global warming. If we actually, uh, of course, we rightly should be, if we could actually uh, thoroughly discourage the use of private uh, automobiles and uh, open up the transit to everybody uh, much more easily, I think it would be interesting where that would go. It would be an interesting experiment. Yeah, I think Portland should be a leader in that. Yeah. Joe, thank you. Yeah, thank you. All right. Hey, Paul, we have a woman online here. Well, let's not put her on the spot too much, but uh, yeah. What, what this you is got, Diane. What you have to say? Yeah, you, you have to represent all women, Diane. Okay. Well, actually, I was going to talk about another topic, if that's okay. That's yeah. okay. Um, all right. I'm a medical professional, and I have been really following Medicare for All, and I've been following all these. We just had a debate yesterday and all the uh, presidential candidates that are running for president. And in the beginning, as you remember, they all said, oh, yes, we all agree we need to have Medicare for all. But slowly, every one of them seems to have changed their mind. And the last one was uh, Warren, who then said that she was going to, you know, slowly build up to it. Which um, and do a um, public option, which we know is not going to be financially feasible, and it will just not happen. It's just another way of not doing it. So when I heard that, as someone who's passionate about Medicare for all, I said, "Oh wow, you know, this is really makes everything clear on the election. It's, it's Bernie Sanders that's going to be the only one really for Medicare for all on day one." And uh, so I get a lot of letters, and there's this organization called um, Our Revolution. I don't know if you know about it, but it's uh, something that's affiliated with the Bernie Sanders campaign. And they have <laughs> uh, – they're going to bring up um, Pramil Jamapal, who's going to be talking. 
And I said, well, that's really interesting that they're having this woman talk um, at this kind of like Bernie site. And it's because she is defending Warren and saying, oh, no, it's fine what Warren is saying. So I'm just thinking to myself, do these people know what they're doing? Um, you know, we finally get it clear about who's on what side, and now it's going to be confused again. And I just find this absolutely fascinating, and I wanted to share it with my brilliant people here at the CAPU because, uh, you know, maybe there's something we can do with it. We can tell the uh, revolution people who are giving her a platform on November 24th, what are you doing? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, Medicare for all is simply a no-brainer, isn't it? I mean, I, I, even when it started up with, with Obama, and right away, when it was first going to start happening, um, he nixed it right away. And then they got Max Bacchus from Montana there who nixed the whole thing. So it wasn't even on the table of discussion. And, you know, it's been said, uh, if we had Medicare for all and we had free education for college, it would make it very difficult for the U.S. war machine to recruit. Because that's yeah. oftentimes the, the recruiting thing. Oh, we'll, we'll pay your education back, or we'll pay now it's even pay your education loans back uh, if you mm -hmm. go out and sacrifice your body for the empire's wars. But really, uh, health care, I think, I think it's an issue. I wonder. I wonder if it's an issue, really, of, of just the, the war machine uh, uh, is in the support of not having Medicare for all as well as uh, adult education or uh, uh, higher education that's free. And uh, reducing that Pentagon budget would be a way to go. Well, they, uh, this is a little bit of an inside ball game that I expressed to uh, to you, and it just shows you how it's it's you know big money does not want it to happen. Could you imagine if we had healthcare that we needed? It would cause a revolution in this in this wonderful country. So this is something that um, it just shows you how complicated it is, and how when you think somebody's on your side, they may not be because you know money trumps a lot. And it's very confusing. I just want people to really open your eyes and see who really is for Medicare for All. Very good. Diane, thank you so much. Appreciate your phone call. Have You're a great welcome. day. All right. This is KBOO. It's uh, Voices from the Edge. Paul Roland and, and myself, John Shucker, here. Yeah, Paul. I just Well, I just wanted to, I, I pulled up this article that I was talking about. Um, it was a, a letter to intellectuals who deride revolutions in the name of purity is the name of it. I'm sure you can find it. It is uh, written by Roxanne Dunbar-Ortiz, Anna Maldonado, Pilar Trova Fernandez. I believe uh, one of those two women is uh, actually in, uh, in Bolivia, part of uh, uh, the movements in Bolivia. And Vijay Prashad, who uh, I think has been on KBU a certain amount, has been on Democracy Now! Anyway, probably those others as well. So it's a I, I would read this, but oh, it looks like uh, I thought we had another caller. They seem to have disappeared. But uh, 503-231-81877 is the number. Uh, we don't want to hog the airwaves. We do want to listen to you. So uh, this is a, an open hour that just sort of miraculously opened up here on a Thursday morning. And uh, well, if nobody until somebody calls, let me just read a couple paragraphs because I think this. But let me give you that number again: five zero three two three one eight one eight seven. Yeah, it's a free for all. Call up. So uh, let me just read a couple paragraphs because I think this is really stimulating. I think people this should should stimulate discussion. Revolutions do not happen suddenly, nor do they immediately transform a society. A revolution is a process which moves at different speeds, whose tempo can change rapidly if the motor of history is accelerated by intensified class conflict. But most of the time, the building of the revolutionary momentum is glacial. 
and the attempt to transform a state and society can be even more slow. Leon Trotsky, sitting in his Turkish exile in 1930, wrote the most remarkable study of the Russian Revolution. Thirteen years had elapsed since the Tsarist Empire had been overthrown, but the revolution was already being derided, even by people on the left. Capitalism, Trotsky wrote in the conclusion to that book, required a hundred years to elevate science and technique to the heights and plunge humanity into the hell of war and crisis. To socialism, its en enemies allow only 15 years to create and furnish a terrestrial paradise. We took no such obligation upon ourselves. We never set these, the, the, these dates. The process of vast transformation must be measured by an adequate scale. And then they go on to talk about Hugo Chavez in Venezuela and Evo Morales in Bolivia and how their critics on the left in North America and Europe gave their governments no time to breathe. And uh, I'll, I'll, I'll hold it off right there because it looks like we got a couple of callers. We do have a couple of callers, Paul. We have Boris. Boris, how are you? Good morning. So what's up? I want to talk about propaganda. Okay. And specifically propaganda in the good old United States of America. Well, that's where it's the best. Started uh, on its run uh, back with a cat named Edward Bernays, World War One propaganda. Turned out to be pretty successful, so they decided to enhance it and make it pretty much universal across media in this country. And I want to give you a specific example of what I'm talking about. I heard a debate, a, a quote-unquote debate, between a guy named Michael Chertoff. Do you remember him? Uh-huh. Uh, I don't know what he was, Secretary of War or something like that under Bush. Uh, between Michael Chertoff and a college professor, which I have, I don't, the guy doesn't have any, uh, I don't have recall him from anything, so I, I don't know anything about the college professor, but it, it took place on a college campus back east last year. And the, the premise of the quote-unquote debate was to decide whether or not the United States interventions around the world were actually for humanitarian purposes or if they weren't. And, of course, Michael Chertoff was a proponent of the idea that they're always for humanitarian purposes. And he made a statement that floored me. He said, obviously, there's proof that they are for humanitarian purposes. Look what happened in Kuwait with the, uh, the evil Iraqis going into hospitals and taking babies out of incubators and throwing them on the floor. Do you remember that? Uh, I that do remember the 15-year-old girl who was the... Was uh, promoted across all yep. of American media. Yeah, that was a fake this story. This statement went totally unchallenged. Not only did the college professor that he was debating not challenge it, but none of the students in the audience during the question and answer period challenged that statement. What a perfect example of the effectiveness of propaganda in this country. Boris, great, great example. Exactly. That's the kind of thing. As long as we, uh, it's, uh, it's an illusion, I think. There, there's, there's an illusion of America as 
divinely exceptional that they're there's so our leaders may do bad things but ultimately they're on the on the side of, of, of good and God and apple pie and, and all of that kind of stuff and and that is the propaganda I think Boris that you you just mentioned that keeps coming at us again and again and again and it keeps people Americans it's for Americans keeping us uh, from actually analyzing critically uh, that leadership and money and whatever it all is is the same everywhere, no matter if you have the flag of the red, white, and blue or, or whatever it might be. And I, and I think uh, the, the propaganda that we have is, is something that's very important. We should look at it. And that's why it's the importance of having community radio, an alternative kind of media that is not connected uh, to uh, the whole military-industrial-finance media intelligence complex uh, that, to, that we can speak about these kinds of things. It is 8.43. Paul Rowland is uh, in, in the studio. I know that uh, Teresa Mitchell came in, and so she'll have her show of Press Watch coming up at 9 o'clock. And then uh, Fight the Empire. There's Pear. Pear's here. But Pear's got a word to say. How are we going to get you on here? I've got to figure this button out. Which one is it? Is it two? Is it this one? I don't know. Turn them all on. See if you're up there. Okay. Well, I would just say that we really are exceptional. No other nation in the history of the world started out with such a big free lunch. You think of all the uh, the great resources, the land we stole from the Indians, and the uh, free labor of slaves. That was our free lunch, and that got us a big boost. And we're kind of running, we're living off of that still. Yeah. Anyway, that's by that's by two cents. All right. Pear, thank you for your two cents. He's got more sense than that coming up at uh, 930. Uh, Paul is here. If you'd like to give us a call, 803-503-231-8187. It's a free-for-all this morning with uh, Joanne not being able to make it in today. So Paul Roland and I have just kind of taken over, and we're going to get Harvey on the phone. Uh, Harvey, are you there? Yeah, I'm here. Hello? Hey, yeah. Great. Glad to have you here. Okay. Um, Well, first of all, I'd like to give you three reasons why single-payer is so important. Uh, number one, um, people are afraid that their insurance policies go in if they get sick. So uh, they, a lot of times they postpone care and they get sicker, and uh, that leads to dire consequences. The second is that uh, people who don't have insurance are afraid, or ones who are afraid to go in because their insurance policies will go up. Often that could lead to the possibility of epidemics and pandemics because if people don't come in for treatment, uh, it could spread, whatever it is, could spread to the general public. Because, and, but if a single-payer uh, system were, were in place, we, they would just go in and it would really help to stem any possible pandemics or, or epidemics. Number uh, two is that the homelessness, um, the, the cost of insurance is actually created creates a lot of homelessness. People can't pay their tremendous bills when they get them, and uh, they have to uh, to uh, they, they're on a very fixed income, and they can't uh, afford anything anymore, and they end up homeless. So it's it's one of the major routes for homelessness. And uh, number three is that um, people who are stuck in jobs that they hate uh, because they have an insurance policy, they they fear leaving it, and so uh, we miss out. A lot on people uh, having a lower stress lifestyle, pursuing their dreams as an entrepreneurial uh, in, the, in an entrepreneurial way because they have to stay in the job because they're afraid to lose their health insurance. So those are three. It creates a lot of stress in our society. People get sick from stress. 
that the way we run our, our health game is um, will make people sick and poor and homelessness and could, uh, again, create uh, pandemics and, and epidemics. You know, Harvey, I think that mo- I don't know if this is true. I, I don't know what polls actually say, but I have a feeling that a lot of people are for Medicare for all. And, and why can't this get done? Well, it just takes, uh, you know, we give uh, over 50 percent of our gross national product to the industrial, uh, to the uh, to the uh, armed services and industrial, com- you know, the uh, military industrial, industrial complex. complex. Mm-hmm. You know, if we take even a portion of that money and give it back to the people, it's after all, it is our money. And if we return it to the people, the America will be stronger. You know, we're we're sort of told that the the uh, the military industrial uh, military industrial complex keeps us stronger, but it's really. If we have less of a uh, military-industrial complex and more health care, we will be a stronger nation. Harvey, thank you so much for the call. appreciate thank you, you uh, giving, that, giving us the word this morning. Thank All you. right. This is KBOO. I'm uh, John Schuck. I'm with Paul Rowland, and I'm trying to figure out how to get this. There it is. Okay. I don't have anybody on the phone. 231-8187, 503-231-87 is the phone number to call if you'd like to be on this free-for-all with Paul and I. What do you think so far, Paul? Uh, no, I, I well, I, you know, I always go back to this question of, you know, the the difficulty of incrementally and uh, electorally and legislatively um, going, re- having a revolutionary process that way, because essentially what we're talking about is needing to, to overturn the basic uh, assumptions, the basic mechanisms of, of the society in which corporations are able to dictate what goes on and that they're whether it's the the medical establishment the industrial establishment you know you name it it's it's basically they it was set in in the constitution itself it was this dynamic was set in motion the ability of private interests and it was you know it started out with the the you know the colonial Corporations, you know, basically the United States took over from the colonial corporations and the need to, to turn a profit. And the, the need to turn a profit is basically wired in to our Constitution. And so our ability to actually overturn that is limited at a structural level. And I think a lot of people don't realize that. So I wonder if we can actually, you know, if we can actually get the kind of lives we want through the electoral process and through incremental changes such as Medicare for all, much as I, I totally support, of course. I mean, if we could, if we could do a referendum in, in Oregon to make it happen, um, if we could have a, a, a new uh, a constitutional amendment, if we could elect somebody who would do it, all those are great. But I fear that there's a, the limiting factor is uh, these basic um, economic building blocks that establish this country that, and that, you know, getting back to our, our, our subject of these protests around the world, there's, you know, some of the protests are trying to put in, you know, to, to either keep uh, some sort of revolutionary process or to instigate um, a revolutionary process against, you know, the, the capitalist neoliberal paradigm. And, uh, I'm all in favor of trying to make that happen in the United States. We still don't have anybody calling. 503-231-8187. The reason I, I brought all that up is because, I, again, I was talking about this. I just I think people should talk about this letter to intellectuals who deride revolutions in the name of purity. And, of course, you know, the, the protests in Bolivia and Chile 
aren't the only protests. Um, there, you know, we're, you're talking about Hong Kong. We're talking about, um, well, we're talking about Lebanon. We're talking about some countries in Africa. We're talking about, uh, there's, you know, it seems to be a new wave. And it, 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 I, and I would, I would, I guess, hesitate to say that, to put a, like a one size fits all on all of these protests, John. I think that there's, yeah. you have to study each one independently. I think so. And I, and I think that all of them, in a sense, have have a lot of legitimacy to them. I, and, and I agree that there are, there are problems, and and they are, these protests are for economic problems. Um, the thing is, is that everything I think is is also infiltrated. Every uh, even the protests here in Portland, um, they're all they're uh, they're often they they come. People want to protest. They want to have a cause for for good things. But at the same time, these are all very much watched and surveilled and 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 uh, right. And, so and in used. the face of that, what do you do? Yeah, well, you have to keep well, you have to keep alert. I think we have to keep critical, uh, you know, and and keep and keep open and, and be suspicious. I think suspicion is, is is a good thing and talk about it in in that regard. But uh, yeah, and you know, you talk about voting. I um, I find myself cynical. Really, in regards to this whole, all these Democrat debates and all that kind of stuff, I I kind of wonder. Uh, it sometimes it feels to me like a puppet show. We got uh, yeah, Democrats, Republicans are over here doing this, doing that. Get on a side. In the meantime, you know, the wars continue. The climate's burning up. People are dying. And, right, and I think uh, how how do we get a revolution going <laughs> at that level, Paul? You got to start it today. I'm going to take this phone call. You tell it. All right. Um, well, I, I I certainly don't have any great answers. I. I feel like in some ways we're taking steps backward. I think, you know, the last period, I mean, certainly Occupy was a was a was a was a moment, a spark. Um there's been, you know, the anti-globalization movement and the, the so-called anti-globalization movement of the late nineties that sort of got nipped in the bud by nine eleven was another uh, major mm. moment. You know, certainly the nineteen sixties was a major moment. Some people say that, you know, our last truly revolutionary mo- moment was actually around the time of World War One that uh, Trotsky was talking about right here in this first article. Uh, this uh, letter to intellectuals who derived revolutions in the name of purity. Um, but it looks like we got a caller. We got we got Mel on the phone. Mel, are you with us? Hey guys, great show today. I can't get enough of this. All right. Anyhow, I have uh, two suggestions. One on this uh, Medicare for all and everything to put an end to the conversation get rid of the naysayers is every citizen should be entitled to the same health care plan that congress has hmm there you go and the other thing as far as this free college that was come come with one stipulation they have to open up their books and let us see where all their money's going before we give them any more all right mel thanks a lot for the call you bet bye all right have a good day this is KBOO. Our phone number is 503-231-8187. You can give us a call and talk about anything you like. you got about five minutes left. Well, I, I guess I, I go back to the, the, the desire, uh, the, the need to have, well, I mean, uh, to have people meet and get to know each other on a deep basis and form really close-knit groups, along with things like, you know, the Democratic Socials of America. I think they've got an interesting thing going. I think they've got a kind of a transparent process, but they've got their lot of working groups and they've got a, you know, they've got a Democrat, a truly grassroots democratic voting procedure um, that I, I, I respect. And I think they're, you know, they're moving things. There's a lot of different levels. It, it can't be, you know, 
at one 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 level. But you need, you know, more committed people um, forming tight cadres, tight groups that are able to leverage that power in and and build upon that. You know, I, I don't know. What do you think, John? Yes. <laughs> I, I think I think one of the things that we need to do, really, I think the, the, the thing, my, my own personal opinion, that's what it is, is, is I, 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 I'm with this idea that narrative, whoever, Caitlin Johnstone, I don't know if you've, I don't know if you've heard of her. She's, uh, she writes a lot from Australia, J-O-H-N-S-T-O-N-E, and I like what she says. And one of the things she says is whoever controls the narrative controls the world. Um, and she's really critical of ideas of... of um, uh, of, of the media and its and its narrative, media being controlled by those who are in power, and we need to be suspicious of of narratives and 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 who's feeding them and how they're coming at us. And it doesn't even matter what political party because they're both uh, uh, both infiltrated with with the with these narratives that um, continue to uh, establish ultimately the good things for the one percent or the. Two percent or whatever is in power. Well, it looks and like we got in one more caller. Maybe we, we do. can fit we in do. before the end of the hour. Let's see who that is. John's going to take your call up. Oh, that's one's gone. Up, oh, they're both gone. Well, oh, well, that might have been me actually. <laughs> well, <laughs> anyway, maybe they'll we got, call back. We got a, we got about two or three minutes left. Uh, I don't know if anybody can squeeze themselves in, but uh, we're we're just sort of running by the seats of our pants this morning, talking about a lot of different things, uh, talking about the. The wave, the new wave of protests is kind of like since the the the, the moment of Occupy and Arab Spring, um, back in the early uh, 2010s, uh, we seem to be having in a, in the midst of of a, another wave. What direction it's going to go? It's hard to tell. To what extent uh, it's going to take hold in in the United States in any significant way? I mean, in some ways, Occupy helped foment a lot of the, the the other things that went that 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 started happening around the world so um this time around maybe uh we'll be able to take our inspiration from uh, the rest of the world we could well paul i think uh we're about a wrap here it's uh 856 coming up at nine o'clock it's press watch with Teresa mitchell her weekly look at the news you're not supposed to know pair uh is here with fight the empire 10, it's Sprouts. Lucas talks with LGBTQ advocate and U.S. diplomat Bruce Knotts about LGBTQ refugees and asylum seekers. At 10.30, it's Express Yourself, where host G features talented spoken word artists, rappers, poets, and singers uh, from around the Portland metro area. At 11, on Between the Covers, David Naiman interviews the iconic Zadie Smith about her new work, Grand Union, a varied collection of new stories that shows off her range between realism, dystopia, satire, and post-apocalyptic, and all of these KBO programs are made possible by member support. And if you'd like to become a member, go to kboo.fm and click on Donate. Uh, and I have this message i got to read here, too. At KBO, we have a dynamic community, 500 volunteers who keep the station running. And depending on your interests and availability, there are a great variety of things to do. Additionally, we offer training in radio production, voice and microphone skills, audio editing, and field recording for volunteers who have attended volunteer orientation and commit to volunteering to fill station needs. So here's a great opportunity to get involved, get on the radio, get your voice out there. Come to the next Volunteer Orientation Monday, December 1, from 2 to 4 in the afternoon 
at 20 Southeast 8th Avenue in Portland. For more information, call KBU at 503-231-8182. And uh, I think that's our show for this morning. This is KBOO. Get up, stand up. Stand up for your right. Get up, stand up. Stand up for your right. Get up, stand up. Stand up for your right. Get up, stand up. Don't give up the fight. Preacher man, don't tell me heaven is on the deer. It's a call that Peter is cold. After stormy and 